Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. M-A-I-N-M-E-N-U Main Menu Main Menu Main menu. Time once again for main menu. This time it's a round table full of technology experts talking about CSUN. Should be fun. Join us for the next hour on main menu. Hi, everybody. I'm Larry Gassman. I'm part of the main menu team, part of BITS, and that's Blind information technology specialists and a group of us have gotten together because we like to get together and we like to talk and we like to talk about technology and we all either have been or would like to have been at CSUN this year unfortunately it wasn't to be based on my hand sanitizer uh, in front of my microphone right now just shut up John we're not ready for you yet I don't think we'll ever be ready for you (laughs) <laughs> but in the meantime, let's do this. Even if there are some people who are going to go to CSUN who, who didn't go. But we do have a roundtable of, of technology people here who I think we need to have introduce themselves. And then we'll talk a little bit about CSUN, how it worked, and we'll illustrate with some modest examples. So I'm Larry Gassman. I was at CSUN and have been for many years now. And I enjoyed it. Had a great time. We'll talk more about that. But who would like to be next? I'm John Gassman. Also went to CSUN. It is a highlight for me each year, and I'm happy that I was there this year. Had a lot of fun. I'm Steve Bauer. I was going to go to CSUN for the day on Friday and ended up getting there at 10 and finding out the place is shutting down at noon. So I saw maybe three or four exhibitors, and uh, that was it. But uh, no crowds. They knew you were coming. And they ran away from you, Steve. Yes. <laughs> I am Jeff Bishop, and I was to go to CSUN. And due to COVID-19 and all of that, uh, we remained at home. And I'm here in Kirkland, Washington, one of the uh, pillars of where this virus is wreaking havoc. In fact, we oh. live right across the street from a hospital where a lot of these patients end up. So, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know he was that close. scary stuff wow. over here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So if you contract it, you can walk right over. Right? <laughs> well, sure. I just, you know, I need a, a COVID-19 sensor for my iPhone. So I can just, you know, wave it around and see if there's any around and then know that it's safe you know, to go out. There That's should be really an app, need. don't you? They should develop an app just for you. They should. I, I think so. Tim, you should get please on get on that, please. Design it. Get on that right now. Like, I want it right you now. You get on it, Jeff. You go tell the, uh, the developer. I don't think we have the sensors in the iPhone. I don't think we it have the sensors. It has to be voiceover. Based on the way based on the way this is going, we need sensors. Yes, we need sensors. Yeah. Let's censor ourselves, sensors shall we? for the census. Yes. <laughs> well, who's Speaking next? Speaking of that, I did complete my census. Yes, you talk about that. So did I. It was very accessible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> even even if you did had to use Internet Explorer, although yeah. we'll talk about oh, that. I, I did not go near it. I don't even think it works on my machine anymore. I'm Jason Castingway, and going to CSUN has always been something I'd love to do, but again, this year I didn't make it. So I'm here to hear all about it and perhaps ask some interesting questions. 
And I'm Debbie Hazelton. I have never gone to CSUN and would love to go. So hopefully another year when it actually takes place. <laughs> you know, it's funny because it's been around for 35 years and generally wow. there are, there, at least in the last couple of years, there've been 3,500 people roughly and from every walk of life and from all over the world and vendors from everywhere. And, and then when the virus actually hit, uh, increasingly people, as they probably should have in hindsight, they said, no, 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 we can't do this. There's, there's safety and issues involved and we don't want to take that chance. And so a lot of companies and a lot of people decided we're not going. So from a, what, 3,500, we were down to, I think they said a thousand, maybe 500 to a thousand actual attendees plus vendors. So it, some people categorized it as a ghost town, but it was very empty. Uh, it was fun. It was enjoyable. And we still got a lot out of it. But it was sad because we just didn't have that kind of representation by a lot of people. Yeah, I'm Paul Henriksen. And I, I had all of my sessions set up, oh, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And when everybody started to bailing out, all I just lost all of my sessions that I was going to attend. So I there went, was no reason I to see. go. Yeah, I went, mm-hmm. I went back and found more. But it was tough. It was really tough. I found I had a lot of free time. So I went to the exhibit hall and it was great. It was fun. It was enjoyable. But it was certainly different, much different than any CSUN we'd gone to previously. And they've done a couple of things now in preparation for for next year. Uh, for anybody who went and, and or no, anybody who was scheduled to go and decided to pull out, because so many present, presenters pulled out and exhibitors uh, they are giving a 50% discount for registration either to tack on to this year or to put toward next year. Well, the if you go all week to the presentations, this year it was, I think, 536 whatever per person. So that's a 50% discount. And also, of course, on Thursday night this year, uh, they, in appreciation for, or at least that's what they said, in appreciation for those who stuck it out, we're going to give you a free meal. No, no. What what that really means is they'd contracted for those dinners and they had to use them in some way. Right. So that's what they and, did. And the bar was open too, which was nice as well. So it was a, you know, it was a nice thing to do. And a lot of people, I guess maybe a couple hundred people were there. So, and you don't see that happen very often with regard to a free free dinner but it was a you know it was a nice week and we still got a lot out of it even though a lot of the major companies weren't there so maybe we talk about sessions uh we're going to get to exhibits soon but um microsoft unfortunately wasn't there nor was google nor was amazon and there's a couple more adobe yeah a couple more that said we're not going to come but they quickly i mean they very quickly revamped those rooms and put other people in them and added more sessions uh, they were working from the time when they would have stopped uh, to the time the actual convention ended because they had a lot of stuff to fix, uh, to put out fires, etc. So they're to be commended because it actually worked. They pulled it off and, and, and it was fun, as I said. But uh, Vespero was very active there, Freedom Scientific as well. And they talked about a lot of different things with regard to JAWS. They talked about the, the, the kiosk, which we'll get to here in, in a little bit. And also Zoom Text and and Fusion, uh, I I enjoyed the actual interaction because everybody knew that they were making the best of some very tough circumstances, and and the audiences were very appreciative and really really good, and that was terrific. 
in the Vespero room, they had, as you walked in, these very large massage chairs that would give you a full body massage. I don't know where they got those, but I mean, most people that I saw when they when they came in went right for those chairs and were just sitting there enjoying the massages. Uh, they have hand sanitizers that were gone in about 10 minutes. And uh, and the kiosks, which we'll talk about in a second as well. So it was a, it was a lot of fun. And people from all walks of, of assistive technology were there. One of the things that they, they advertised in the Vespero room were the escape rooms. Now, escape rooms are rooms in which teams of people get together and you solve, you have to problem solve in order to escape the room. Um, and those in the past have not been very accessible because, you know, you couldn't have any clues with regard to speech or Braille or, or anything like that. So uh, some of the people at Vespero have been working hard to put that together and they, uh, they were advertising what that would look like throughout the course of those three days. And people would sign up on these JAWS accessible kiosks uh, which literally were were a keyboard that you would fill out your name for, and they would uh, you would go into a specific room at a specific time, and they would give you clues and various puzzles to solve and so forth to give you an idea of what it was all about. It was I I understand it was a lot of fun. I didn't have a chance to to do that, but they did devote a session to it. Um, the kiosks are really interesting, and you know most of the kiosks today that you you think of are in hotels, uh, airports, um, Wells Fargo, for instance. Fargo, I, I think probably some yeah. of the other banks too, but Wells Fargo, but I know. Most of the stuff out there isn't very accessible because there's no way that a, a, a blind person, for example, could interact with the screen or the keyboards or anything like that. So Vespero in conjunction with Storm Interface, which has been responsible for making kiosks uh, accessible in terms of the hardware, they've teamed up to add uh, JAWS to their uh, accessible kiosks and make everything accessible. Now, it's not a, it's, it's a full-fledged JAWS, but only the things that you would need with regard to that accessibility. So you don't have internet and you don't have some of the other features like text analyzer and some of those things because you don't need those things to fill out a, a form uh, with a kiosk. But it does work. It's a lot of fun. Um, and they are continuing to add those today. I think they're also available, uh, on, um, carnival cruises. Not that anybody's taking a carnival cruise right now, but they are available. And I guess they're, they say that there will be some more announcements next year. They're also available in some restaurants as well, where you have to literally fill out your order there with, with the kiosk in order to, uh, to get your food and pay for your food. You know, one thing that I, I found fascinating was, and I didn't know that this was actually happening. I figured this was something maybe down the road a little bit, but using AI, artificial intelligence, etc., they already have units being tested in the field now where you literally can talk to the kiosk. Like you would for Amazon and Alexa? Well, or, like, you know how sometimes or, you'll be talking to, say, in McDonald's, you'll be talking to a speaker, and that voice isn't just across the brick wall. That voice might be in India or somewhere else through the world. Same thing is about to be true with regard to kiosks. So you can talk to them, and if you make a mistake, no, 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 wait a minute, I, I screwed up here. I don't want cheese. I want to get it off the burger. 
they'll understand that and they'll fix it for you. So AI is coming much like Alexa has and Siri, only maybe they'll be smarter, who knows. Uh, and, and for other handicaps. Who, yeah, who, not just those know, who are blind. They've got other things, you know, like the clapping of hands might denote a certain thing. And I always wondered, you know, if you did the clap hands like lights on. Oh, oh, or sorry, or how about that Let's go. You could do that. Oh, you could do all kinds yeah, you, of stuff. I think you got muted on your hand clapping there. Oh, probably so. so. Yeah, I was a little loud. Yeah. So, but apparently it's smart enough to, to to note what you're doing and will inter- be able to interact with you at some point. I don't I don't know how widespread those are. They're still yet. working on that. Yeah. But it's coming apparently. Yeah. Well, what did they say that they had that people have been able to interact technically with the phone for over 9 years. Right. Even though it wasn't intru- ah, Siri was introduced what was it, 2011 or 12? Because that's when I got my first phone. So, yeah, it's been about nine years. Your first, your first uh, smartphone. iPhone. Yeah, yeah. iPhone, yeah. So it's steadily increased in terms of the usability. So, uh, and, and technology is moving so quickly these days that I have a feeling that some of this stuff is going to be here maybe sooner than we thought. So anyway, it, it was the kiosks were really a lot of fun. And you can, if you want to read more about it, you can go to the uh, freedomscientific.com webpage and look up news. And there's a little article about uh, both the Storm Interface Group and Vespero and how they're partnering together to work on accessibility. It's fascinating. I had no idea that it had come this far. I just, you know, when I think of a uh, kiosk, I think, oh, well... I've seen those things in action and they're not accessible. Well, that's all about to change. So, and if you, if we do have conventions this summer, I'm sure that they will be there and you may want to take a look at at, uh, the kiosks yourself because fascinating. And and they run on windows seven, eight and 10. So any, any windows devices that you have uh, you would be able to operate the kiosks and by then of course they should have a lot more of them out and available what you do when you walk up to the kiosk is you put a little earbud in and you it jaw starts so that it knows when to start uh, allowing you to do whatever you're going to do whether that means filling out a form or looking at the screen at CSUN they had earbuds that were available and the keyboard is very, very intuitive. You don't need, if you're not a JAWS user, for example, you don't need to know how to use it. It's it's basically Windows commands. You just tab an arrow through and it doesn't take long at all to get the hang of how the screen is laid out. It's very easy to use. Uh, they all change, of course, depending upon the kiosk that you're using. It might not be the same all the time, uh, but it shouldn't take too long to figure out uh, how to use it, I don't think. At, at least it didn't for me when I was looking at the, at the uh, the sign up now, keyboard. The big thing that they're working on now is they're trying to pare down and and figure out because the thing is that the, the people at the various establishments want to get rid of the lines, so they're trying to get you in and out using the kiosks as quickly as possible. Well, for blind people, you can't skim; you have to arrow through. So they're trying to figure out how much information is too much. Let's see if we can pare it down so that you get what you need. But you don't need to hear about a menu with every nth or every degree of everything on that menu because you got to make a decision and move on so somebody else can use it. So that's kind of what they're working through at this point, trying to figure out the degree of information that's necessary and give it to you so you can move on. 
I think they said they had about 10,000 different installations right now. Um, but in an airport, for example, you don't know exactly where the kiosks are, but apparently the airports are required to have at least uh, one out of every four accessible. And most of the airlines figure, well, shoot, if we're paying the money to do one, we might as well do them all. But there is still that question as to are they all accessible or just some of them at the various airports? And so, you know, you might need an IRA or, or some other sighted assistance to find one uh, currently, but hopefully that'll get better as, as things move along. John? Yes. Wouldn't it be interesting if there was some way that they made those into an accessible app so that we could kind of take our time without being in line to fill out something and then get our assistance if we need it to get to where we need to get to? You know, that's one of the where things that they talked, they talked about that is in terms of uh, one of the people from Storm said, you know, he can envision the day where you walk him into an airline. Well, uh, or any other, yeah. like a McDonald's or anything right. else, because they want and to get rid of the line. So they're going to get rid of the people behind the counters so, to the most, for the most part. So you might only have a couple people behind the counter. So your phone says, oh, hi, Debbie, how are you? I understand you're flying with us today. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you want to print out your, your uh, boarding pass. Let's take care of that for you right now. And bam, it's done in about five seconds. And your boarding pass is at gate three. Already and gate done. three is at two o'clock from where you're Correct. standing. Yep. Or it could say, I don't know where gate three is, but Ira does. No, it's not going to yeah. say that. <laughs> no, I probably wouldn't. But I mean, or it would, it, and it would even be able to tell if we were moving in the right direction. Correct. And, you know, mm-hmm. just like GPS. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, stuff is coming so quickly. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. And hopefully as, as these companies put things together, they'll put the word out so that we're all aware of what's going on as it pretty much as it happens. Yeah. You know, I will say, John, you didn't think they would mention IRA, but when we were in the Rochester airport, there were announcements coming over the PA basically saying if you're blind or visually impaired, and it was actually Jonathan Mosen's voice, uh, go to the app store and download the IRA app and you'll have free access in this airport. You know, restaurants are are beginning to put kiosks at tables now. Yes. So, you know, so I I think there's going to come a day where you, you don't really even need Except for having the food brought to you, you're not going to need anyone to come and no, you know, take your order yeah. at all. I'd be all. a little afraid of a robot bringing it to uh, me. Yeah. Know, whoops, it just Actually, yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with that. That'd be fine with you. Me know, as they, long as- and they did say some of the fast food places were cutting back because they could now do that, where where the technology took over and they didn't have to hire as many people. Maybe just a couple to watch over it, but the main staff isn't needed as much. Yeah. Now, the Red Robins and other places that I've been to, Red Robin was one of them, but there have been a few more, where they had these kiosks, at, at least when, we, when I was going, which is in the last probably six to eight months, they weren't accessible uh, at all. Now, I don't know if that's come and if they are now, but when I played with them, they weren't. It's been about yeah, six think, months since I think I've been still there. Not, I think they're still not accessible, but you know that is nice if they could do it at the table because that is going to be a problem as as I, I can see myself as a blind person at a McDonald's trying to figure out that long menu and what do I what do I want on my hamburger yeah. what drink do I want right. you know going yeah. and it that could take a long time and it could aggravate people behind me it could and that's what so they, they want need to, to figure a way to get that app. done quickly yeah. or they need to maybe do it at a tables or something or an app something like that right but i mean when we go to McDonald's now 
you know, my, my wife doesn't even use the kiosk. We'll sit at the table and we'll just bring up the McDonald's app right. and just order and then just walk up to the, you know, counter or they yeah. even just bring it right to you. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what I do. That, that's yeah. what I do it for Starbucks too. They have a great um, accessible app that allows you to just place your order and then just walk in or, or you can be at your table and just go get it. It's pretty cool. So Larry, I hear you have some audio about these kiosks. We do. Um, John talked to a couple of people and we also have an audio that actually came from YouTube and it's a pretty good description of the kiosk, what it does, etc. And it kind of, kind of gives you an idea of what it's all about in action. So we'll play that for you. Seen from above an urban skyline, a treed plaza. In 2019, $38 billion was spent just in restaurants on self-service. An airport. From airports and train stations to government offices, restaurants, grocery stores, and retailers. The use of kiosk machines is widespread as a convenience for customers. And while technology continues to advance, a red-tipped white cane, a whole portion of the population is being left behind. A man navigates with a white cane. And with 285 million legally blind people around the world, how do we make kiosks accessible? A woman at a kiosk. With JAWS Kiosk, we created a way to bring a new dimension of accessibility and a powerful contribution to providing a full customer experience for the blind and low vision. A kiosk. Start here. To the right of a screen, an alternate keypad. A man presses a blue, diamond-shaped button. Welcome to Jaws Kiosk. Menu items. Donuts. Press the right arrow to move to the first donut. Jaws software will revolutionize self-service kiosk accessibility, creating a user experience that is accessible across the spectrum of disability needs. What is the reason for this visit? Voter registration. Press the middle key to activate. Supports over 30 languages and the same interface for all customers configured to work with Storm assistive technology devices. Wipe your car to continue. Your card has been billed for $6.13. JAWS Kiosk is deployed in over 10,000 kiosks in North America. Please proceed to the front counter. Your order is number 2506. It's efficient and easy. All powered by JAWS. The JAWS logo, an animated smiling shark. JAWS Kiosk, the Pacciello Group. We'll move on to the exhibit hall in just a moment, but I wanted to quickly mention one more product. A lot of people have been asking uh, what has happened to the El Brill note taker that has been publicized. And the answer is if you live in Europe, uh, it's available to you right now. Uh, you're shipping uh, the brand new Focus 40 fifth generation attached to the brand new El Brill with the updated uh, specs. And of course, that's the note taker that has Windows 10 and JAWS for Windows built right into it. So you're literally looking at a computer with a Braille keyboard and Windows 10. But here in the United States, we've been waiting for a while for it to become available. And that's because evidently there are some different testing requirements that it has to go through in the United States in order to then become available for shipping and they're hoping it, it says available soon. So that probably means as soon as those last minute tests get finished, uh, it will be shipped. So we're talking, you know, hopefully within a week or so. Uh, but 
I'm still waiting for mine just as others are waiting for theirs. So but remember hopefully. also because of the virus and the stay-at-home yeah. type atmosphere, we don't know how much that has slowed down their efforts. We don't know. And remember, they're only distributing. They're not doing anything else with the Braille except getting it and then shipping it. So they're a distribution arm. They're not developing it. No, no. Other people are doing that. Yeah. So they're only and, and of course it's got the it's got jaws attached to it as well which is where they come in as well so uh some people may know that we do the uh, fs cast podcasts and when it is available and when we get ours we'll probably do some new segments on it at that point in time and shortly after csun the sparrow made the announcement about licenses that they were going to carry through because of um, the virus and shortly after that, Dolphin Systems did as well. Free licenses are available in the United States and Canada uh, through June 30th for those who are working at home and also need the, the ability hmm. to work at work. So you can interchange those and have JAWS with you all the time. Um, and it's available in other parts of the world too. But for those situations, you would talk to your local dealer. And they've apparently got some agreements with Freedom Scientific to make it possible uh, worldwide. Dolphin apparently is doing the very same thing or something similar. So you can go to either one of those web pages and read the entire story for yourself. Well, now let's move along to the empty exhibit halls. Oops, did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> They're not quite empty, but... Yeah, no, but they were much emptier than last time. You know, I actually had to do some interview stuff for FSCast, and we went into the exhibit hall and away from most of the booths, and it was quiet enough so that you heard the murmur of the crowd, but it was a very easy way to do an interview with it without going all the way back to the room. And, and I, couldn't, year, I couldn't say that last year, not at no, all. Last year, you needed Ira really to, to move around or a sighted assistance. And it was so noisy, it was tough to, to find the individuals or the booth that you were looking for. It was a lot easier this year. So, Judy Dixon was telling me, uh, she's a member of the Information Access Committee of ACB, and she was telling me that it was actually more difficult to get around in the exhibit hall with, you know, with the crowd being so small because there was so much empty space. Right. No, that's yeah. true. And you couldn't actually ask somebody because there was nobody there to ask. Many of right. those booths exactly. were empty. Yeah. I used IRA because it was free and, and they were pretty good about getting me where I needed but to But the go. connectivity this year, for some reason, in the exhibit hall and even throughout the hotel was a lot different. It wasn't as good. And I don't know why. I will really, say, you would have thought it would have yeah. been better. Yeah, no, we had lots of issues. Wow. I will say on Friday that I had no problem at all getting around the exhibit hall because every time I finished talking to somebody and turned around, there was a volunteer there or the exhibitors were so bored, they would say like, well, where do you want to go? I'll take you over there. And so mm -hmm. I didn't use our once uh, on Friday when I, the, for the couple hours I was in the exhibit hall. We will get to exhibit exhibitors, but it's we'll mention that the, the Center on Disabilities did something that they've never done before. Uh, and it's because people were getting antsy and a lot of them, when they were done with their presentations, they got on planes and left because they didn't know how long they would actually be able to fly because of the virus, etc. And so they actually, the uh, CSUN Center closed the convention a day early. They closed it. We got the word Thursday night that it would close at noon on Friday. Rather than five o'clock, as had been originally yeah. scheduled. Matter of fact, a lot of the people who did presentations weren't even there. They had prepared them ahead of time on video or our video files, and then um, 
somebody from within the, the company who was there would play them and then take questions at the very end. And that happened quite a lot throughout the course of the, the presentation. There was one company, I'm trying to remember the name of the company, who streamed their stuff. All of their stuff was from within, from within their presentation room was available. Wasn't that uh, level access or yes. something like that? Yes, yes, it was. I think it was. So now let's get to exhibitors because I know, Steve, you saw some in the two hours you were there. I uh, had a long list of people that I wanted to see. And at the top of the list from what I'd heard from other podcasts and stuff I'd read on the Internet was Orbit Research. And I'm glad I went there first. They had several new products. The Orbit 20, most of you are familiar with, they now have the Orbit 20 Plus, which is uh, the same box, but it's got uh, a different motherboard and new software. It's got backward and forward translation between Braille and text. Uh, It does not have cursor routing keys, but it's got some new cool things. So it's got a clock, it's got a calendar, uh, an alarm clock, calculator, and um, it is going to sell for... $699. $699. The regular Orbit is now $599, so the Orbit 20 Plus is $699. They said there would be an upgrade path. They didn't have, at that point, a price because you'd have to send your device back, and they'd replace the motherboard and update the software and send it back to you. So that's the Orbit 20 Plus. The Orbit 40 is the same thing, uh, the same programs they have, the clock, the calendar, that sort of thing, the backward and forward translation. But in a 40-cell display, and it has cursor routing keys, which to me makes all the difference in the world. Uh, The 20-plus is available now. The 40, they say, will be available this summer, although who knows with the virus what's going on. Uh, The 40 is going to sell for $13.99, and it has a couple of USB ports on it. It's got a USB host and a a standard uh, USB-C. And both units, the 20-plus and the 40, have what they call profiles and you can set up different profiles for different languages and you could for example if you wanted to write in computer braille and read in spanish braille or vice versa you can set these up and then just instantly switch between them also uh, both these units will pair with up to five devices uh, bluetooth or usb so you can instantly with keyboard commands switch back and forth between them the other little device they have that i was really intrigued with is what they call the Orbit Writer. And it's a device, I'm terrible with um, dimensions, but I'm going to say maybe um, six inches by half an inch by two inches or something like that. So around the size of an average smartphone. And it's got a six-key Braille keyboard, a four-way switch, uh, and a space bar in dots seven and eight. And you can basically type on your iPhone if you don't want to use Braille screen input. Uh, you can, of course, navigate around, and uh, in, in all of the voiceover commands are available to it, the same as they would be on any other Braille display. And then, of course, you can type text into it. And that's going to sell for 99 bucks. And as a guy who always carries around a Braille display, uh, it's not for me personally, but I wonder how many people are going to be picking up on that as an easier way to deal with their iPhone. It's really cool. It's, it's also got haptic feedback like the Orbit devices do. So you can tell when the device is paired and when the device is powered on. They say it's a two-hour battery charge and it'll last three days of continuous use. So that's the Orbit Writer. And the final product they had was kind of a reintroduction of 
the uh, graffiti, which is now out and available for sale. Uh, it's going to be $15,000, so it's a, a bit of a, a jump in price. But they say they want to try and get the price down with more sales. I saw it in Rochester, so at the ACB conference, so I didn't really spend a lot of time with it. But for those of you who don't know, it's uh, basically for graphics. It's a 40 by 60 dot braille display. And the cool thing about the graffiti is all of the dots can be placed in several different heights. So you can do shading to show color or on topography maps or that sort of thing. So a lot of really cool stuff from Orbit. Um, and like I say, the the 20 plus is available now. The 40 and the graffiti and the Orbit Rider are going to be available in July. National Braille Press is selling the Orbit Reader 40. And I'm not sure if they're going to sell the other devices. And there's other companies like LSNS products that are going to be selling some of the Orbit stuff also. So interesting stuff from them. Now, Steve. Um, Steve, a couple things. Now, doesn't one of the uh, new Orbits have an audio uh, component to it as well? Um, it's got audio output on both the 20 plus and the 40, but they're not using it for anything at this point other than just system sounds, like letting you know you powered it up and then there's air messages and things like that. They did indicate that there would be uses of that made in the future, but at this point, there's no text-to-speech or anything. Oh, interesting. And then as far as the graffiti, it was interesting. I had an opportunity when I was in Kentucky a couple of years ago because the graffiti's been around a little while. And I, I spent some time with Larry Skukan. And he was telling me that, that he had used it for all kinds of things, including even, you know, looking at uh, sonogram baby pictures uh, using the graffiti. So yeah, the uh, graffiti pretty amazing actually- technology. Yeah, and, and the graffiti will interface with the calculators that Orbit sells, and mm-hmm. so it's possible. And telescopes to, and yeah, all kinds exactly. Of and and it's 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 going to be it's going to really change um, graphics, I think, uh, quite a bit. Pretty steep price tag, but you know, if a school system would buy it or something, it do some pretty incredible stuff with it. Are the dots the same on these new Orbits as they are? Yes, yeah, the dots are the same. It's the same. uh, In fact, that's the first thing they say on their website, signage quality rail. So it's exactly the same dots as are on the Orbit 20. I don't have a problem with them. Some people find them to be too sharp. Uh, I've used an Orbit 20. too loud, right? Yeah, I guess. But I, I find there's no problem. The new devices do have the same refresh sound as the original Orbit Reader 20, so if you're using it in a studio situation, it mm-hmm. would not be appropriate, but I think for... Or in a meeting. It's kind of loud for meetings, too. Yeah, it would depend on the meeting, I think, and, and you know where you were. Maybe if you're right up front, but I, I, I find it... I, maybe I've gotten used to it, I don't know, but except for a studio situation, I would find it would work pretty good. Uh, one thing I did, I just chatted with the Orbit guy quite a bit, and when cells go, for example, uh, you don't need to replace the entire cell or even the entire display like other manufacturers do. They'll actually go in and replace the individual pins for you. I have no idea what their service rates are like, wow. but as, as a guy who has replaced a lot of Braille cells with in a lot of Braille displays, that was interesting to me. Do you know what Braille translation software they're using inside the Orbit? Uh, they're using the Liblui, um translation software 
and they also have made some modifications to it. He didn't go into a lot of detail about that, but what he did say to me was the user would not be able to tweak on the LibLouis tables, but if you had a table that you wanted to use, they would, and again, I don't know what this would cost, but they would go ahead and put that table in for you. So if you had a set of contractions you wanted to put on top of the, uh, the standard contractions, you could do that, but they would have to do it for you. Did you see anything else, Steve? I know you had a list. I guess the other one that I saw briefly was the two new devices made by Humanware that are being sold by APH. It was interesting because Humanware didn't have the devices, but they knew a lot more about them. And APH had the devices, but the people at the booth knew almost nothing about them. So, uh, But one of them is called the Chameleon, uh, and it is a 20-cell display with a Braille keyboard kind of halfway between a note taker and a braille display in that it's standard braille display but it's got internet on it so you can actually download books from bookshare directly onto the device and at the moment i don't know if you can do barred braille but i know they're working on that so that's the chameleon it's she said would sell and i don't remember the price on quota funds but she said she thought it would come out for about eighteen hundred dollars on non-quota, which would be a couple hundred dollars more than the quota funds. The other device they had is called the Mantis Q40, and it is a 40-cell display with a QWERTY Braille keyboard on it, the idea being to teach kids to type on a standard keyboard that may know Braille. It is possible, there's no Braille keyboard, but you can use the SDF JKL keys to type in six key mode on that device if you want to, but its main use is a standard 40 cell display, uh, 40, uh, a QWERTY keyboard with the 40 cell display. And that was really about all I got my hands on. I walked around and talked to some other vendors and stuff, but nobody had any equipment. Everybody, the few people that were there had packed up their stuff and gone. So, uh, like you were saying earlier, that we're worried about getting out in the plane, I guess. So, um, that was pretty much I saw. Paul, what do you think about this uh, this Q40 display? I think that's a, a really intriguing product in that, you know, a lot of us type a lot on standard keyboards. I, I, I think that's going to sell. I had an Empower uh, QWERTY keyboard years ago, and I was able to type really rather quickly because I'd been used to laptops. And so I really liked the ability to have a QWERTY keyboard. I think that will be a big seller because especially for those who don't necessarily know how to type in braille but they can read braille um and if you're and if you're a laptop user yeah the keys are going to be a little bit smaller but i got used to those keys no problem and i i'm a fast typist i'm probably 90 words a minute and i was able to type rather quickly on my empower so i think that will be a big seller yeah i'm very excited about that that product specifically now the mantis, the uh, chameleon is kind of fun. I think the kids will probably like that, or the young ones will like that because evidently you can change the covers to different colors. Oh. That's yeah, why it's I called. The, that's why it's called the chameleon. I forgot to mention that it actually comes with three different cases that are all different oh, colors. Fun. So you can. Well, you know how the kids like to change their cell phone cases. Right. Exactly. Yeah. My granddaughter is doing that all the time, where she's putting on some new cell phone thing that has glitter on it or whatever, and so yeah. I think. Blind kids are going to really love to. You know, to Some adults might around. too. I just changed mine, and I might like that mantis. I love my orbit. I know I don't. You know the noise. I might not use it in every situation, but 
I do. I like the Braille. I like the crispness of the Braille on the Orbit. I like yeah, the taste of it. I can have it read as fast as I want. But the Mantis, I would like for downloading my books because my my on hand I can do that. But I would that would be nice. You can't do that with the Orbit. And if it's got a good note taker in it, because the problem is we have we have note takers like the Q Braille, and and they're kind of limited as to what type of documents they can bring in and what type they can put out. If this can do, let's say, DOCs or DOCXs mm-hmm. or at least RTFs, yeah, no, this is man- really going to be you know, one of the first note-takers, Braille display note-takers, that will be able to do that sort of thing and for a pretty decent price. Yeah, the price is intriguing. Yeah, they're saying the Mantis and the uh, Chameleon should be able to accom- or will be able to accommodate uh, DOCX and other mm-hmm. files. Really? Interesting. Really? Mm. Wow. Okay. And I think it would be really interesting, especially for either of those displays, since you have the Wi-Fi built in already, it would be really fascinating if, let's say, they could incorporate Google Drive or something like that, so that, mm-hmm. especially if you're a student, so let's say you share a Google Drive with your teacher. Well, now you've got a way to type your homework, put it in the shared folder on Google Drive, and your teacher can pick up that file. Or she can, she or he can send you an assignment or instructions or something like that. Put it in the Google Drive. You can pick it up on your display. So there are some really intriguing possibilities with that. I know that I think, and I, someone can, can correct me if I'm wrong here, but didn't Humanware write some uh, iOS applications that interfaced directly to their Braille displays? Yes, so that you could. I can't remember write. what it's called now, but there was a device where you can supposedly type on your on your iPhone, and it'll it'll send it right. to your display or vice and versa. It I don't remember notes or an exchange, yes. and things like that. Right? So, exactly. I mean, if if they if they continue that strategy, then that would be intriguing. Boy, oh, that, yeah. that's that's making these products look very fast. Yeah, this this could yeah. be some really because it has the Wi-Fi capability, which which a lot of the other smaller note takers don't have. So this could really open up a lot of possibilities. And I, like you had mentioned earlier about BARD, I would not be surprised if in the future, not only would you be able to download Bookshare books, but you would be able to get BARD books as well, or maybe yeah. books from, you know, from other sources. Yeah, I think the or days... an NFB yeah. Newsline, that sort sure. of thing. The days of proprietary well, are pretty much gone. If you're not able to do mainstreaming type uh, stuff with a, so that it's available to more people, it's just not going to work. Well, you know that the pilots are starting up for the NLS Braille displays. Yeah. yeah. Yes, they are. And and we know that uh, we, we we know who the vendors are for these. So Ooh, for those that are, for, yeah, for, so for those that are wanting to stay up to date on this, just stay tuned. Either at you know the convention, you know, however that's going to be done this year with COVID and everything. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have some exciting things to talk about later this summer. Now, I saw three apps in the exhibit hall. I saw the new Spectrum Charter app and discussion in terms of what that entails. Uh, also, We Walk, the new uh, cane, and also Invi- the Envision glasses, yes, which are, which are brand new as well. So to begin with, I, I'm a Spectrum customer. I was kind of curious to see what they were doing because I have their new uh, box, which is relatively new. And now it is very accessible. There were times 
months and years ago when it wasn't very accessible, but they've come a long way and now everything speaks. The menus, everything does really well. And I went over basically just to say, congratulations, I'm really enjoying it. And then I found out about the new Spectrum Access app, which I didn't know anything about at all. Um, Charter is the, I guess, the main company, but Spectrum is a part of Charter. And as I walked up to the booth, they were filming uh, a demonstration of the app. Now, this is an app that, although called Spectrum Access, is not specifically or entirely devoted to customers of Spectrum or Charter. Anybody can use it. It doesn't matter. It just so happens that Charter and Spectrum are are developing the app and making it available. Now, if you remember years ago, uh, there were a couple of apps out there. Disney Movies Anywhere was one, and then later after that, it was ActiveView. And they both operated similarly, except that Disney's operated with Disney's movies, where ActiveView went to many different movie studios. And you literally could open up the app, you would download the movie that you were interested in, and you could sync that movie with a recording that you had on a DVD or, or from the app itself, and it would give you audio description. And I know the Disney Anywhere app would also allow you to take the app into the movie theaters on a brand new Disney movie that had just come out or Pixar. Or I think this is before we got Star Wars. Uh, I say we because I'm an employee. I don't get any money. Yes, yes, they were just Pixar titles for the Disney okay, Anywhere that's right, app. Right. It was 17 different Pixar titles. And it was really cool because it, and it worked. You could literally sit there and watch a movie with the audio description in your ears. And then the app went away and, it, and pretty much everybody became ActiveView and, and, and several movie studios were involved. Well, the, the new Spectrum Access app operates in basically the same way. They are now developing the app. At the time of CSUN, they had about 90 different titles available from a couple of movie companies. They said within a couple of weeks, which is where we are now as I recorded this with everybody, they would expect to have had about 500 movie titles available. And then by the time they target the release of the app itself, in late summer, they expect to have a whole lot more available. They're basically looking for beta testers right now. Uh, and they and we I've got a little recording of how it works and so forth, and we'll play that. But if you're interested in beta testing or learning more about it, Spectrum Access at Charter.net is the email. And and the, the one of the vice presidents uh, who is demonstrating the app to me is responsible for monitoring that email, and he will get back to you and send you a link where you can literally get the app itself and begin beta testing. They, I haven't checked here in about a week or two about the number of movies, uh, but theoretically there should be a lot more now than they were when we were at CSUN. And it really works very well. And they're hoping to have a lot of movie companies on board uh, in order to make this a, a very viable uh, app. It's available currently on iOS. They hope that maybe next year they can begin to develop an Android version. So, But they, they know that most blind people use iOS and that's the market they're going for right now. So let's hear a little bit of that Spectrum interview. It's about nine minutes long and we'll be joined by John Sweet and Shane Martin from Spectrum. You mentioned that they were doing some filming about a new app. 
is it specifically for Spectrum or for Charter or what? So it's a, it's called Spectrum Access. It's mm-hmm. not publicly released yet. We are we're releasing it in a beta format at CSUN this year, so we're taking beta testers. It's not actually going to be for Spectrum customers solely. It's it's for anybody. It's going to be a free app. Um, doesn't require a subscription or anything like that. You can just download it for free once we go live. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea behind it is it's a an app you can have on your phone and it provides the audio description for a live asset in real time. So one of the use cases would be if you're sitting down and want to watch a movie, we would open up Spectrum Access and see if that movie is a supported asset in our library, because obviously we're working with studios to get audio description for a number of a number of films. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at about 90 assets currently, but we expect to be at 500 within a couple of weeks, and then we want to be significantly higher than that um, before we even go live. So this is all for our beta release right mm-hmm. now. Um, but say you were what we're demoing on right now, we're actually doing filming with the movie La La Land because we have we have a release to use it. Um, but say if you were wanting to watch this movie at home, you would download La La Land on the Spectrum Access app. So it downloads the audio description track and actually the audio for the movie itself. It's both. And then you would start the movie on your screen and just say start sync, and it listens to the audio playing on your TV and figures out where you are in the movie and starts audio description from that point. And kind of our intended use case is somebody who may be watching the movie with other folks who maybe don't want audio description on, you would be able to run it on your on your own device and have an earbud in and get the audio description yourself. But much higher fidelity than say, you know, you're relying on another form of audio description, whether it be mm-hmm. the cable or um, or anything like that. So the we're hoping to have a lot of assets by the time we go public, but we, we are already, like I said, at 90, and very soon we'll be at roughly 500. Now, a few years ago, there was a wonderful app out called Disney Movies Anywhere, mm-hmm. and it worked similarly, but it also worked in theaters. Mm-hmm. Does this have that potential for Pot- theater as well? Potential, yes. Currently, no. Definitely something we're looking at. Um, one of the use cases that we have we really want to solve for is somebody who wants to go to the movie with their friends and really, really hates the audio description of right. options at the movie theater, which may or may not work. Um, and there are a couple of loopholes we've got to figure out, a couple of issues there with uh, licensing with studios, um, get, having the ability to download the audio track onto your phone before you go into the movie theater, uh, because you may not get great service while you're in there, right? So streaming may not work great. So we're working through a lot of those issues right now. Uh, definitely not something available in the beta, but a uh, future feature we, want, we hope to have. What's the app called? Spectrum Access. Okay. Yep. Um, we're taking beta tester uh, signups right now, and uh, I would be happy to get involved in that. Yeah, we can do that once they finish up here. Um, essentially, what will happen is we'll take down your name and your email, and at the end of CSUN, we'll be sending out an email to everybody who signed up with information on how to download it, how to how to use it, um, and then also how to provide feedback because that's a big mm-hmm. thing. Um, our team has been testing it heavily for the past several months. Uh, we're definitely not there, but we're pretty close. We're close enough to at least release in beta. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, honestly, a lot of the issues we still have are related to the assets that we're getting, the quality of the audio description, you mm-hmm. know, stuff like that. Some of that stuff we still have to hammer out, but the functionality of the app is really, really good right now. It's already it's working quite well. So anyway, um, you'll get an invite soon from me. I'll send you an email that'll have a link, and you want to access that email and that link through your phone so you can install it on your phone. Okay. So the way it works is I've already, and it's voiceover accessible, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you experience that on your end.
hand and I'll just show you kind of how it works. Okay. So I've got La La Land queued up on the TV and I'm mm -hmm. going to turn on the audio soon so we can hear the the sound and the music coming through. Okay. It's a scene of the two main characters dancing so you'll hear the music and, and stuff. And so what I'm going to do is I'll play the movie right now. And I'm going to turn on the audio of the movie. So in the app, I've got the audio description file downloaded, and mm -hmm. I'm going to hit the play button, which is going to start syncing the audio description. Okay. So right now it's listening to the music coming through from the movie. And how long does it take to sync? You know, it really depends. This shouldn't take more than five seconds, and in fact, it already finished. Oh, okay. So I'll keep that music going. Hopping down to the pavement, he stuffs his hands in his pockets. Mia gets up and mirrors his movements from behind. Then they dance side by side, switching directions on a dime. They race over to the bench and jump up on it, gazing out at the twinkling lights of Los Angeles. Exchanging a look, they hop back down with a twist and double-time it on the pavement. They throw their arms out at a slant, then Mia twirls to face him and he turns away. As her arms gesture to him, he dances a little solo, then points his heel at her, and she responds in kind. They skid into the middle of the road, where Mia whirls in circles. So as you can tell, wow. yeah, nice. you wouldn't be getting she much from this scene without, without right, this app right Right, right, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And that's from an audio description track that was created by for the movie itself, right? That's or, correct. So the studio that made the movie either made it themselves or commissioned a third party post-production. So, uh, so actually what they do is they'll get a license for the movie and they'll write a script for the audio right. description. Okay. So they're describing what's happening between dialogue. And then they'll have a narrator who's got a smooth voice read out the script and they'll record it. And then we basically, we talk to the studios, we have partnerships with them, and uh, we get those audio description tracks and closed captioning tracks, and then we upload them into our app. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then this syncing makes sure that wherever you are in the movie, for instance, I started about 40 minutes in, you can just start up, it syncs, and you can start from there. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That That is really cool. Thank you. So, and was that was a text-to-speech voice, I believe, that I recognized from other apps. You know, I'm not entirely sure. You yeah, I think it was, new, yeah. Usually they get a human narrator to right, read the script. Right, they do. Um, but it's possible that they are using AI now. It's not, yeah. It's mm -hmm. hard to tell these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now, what, uh, Sean, was it Sean? I'm Shane. Shane. So Shane was telling us that you have a certain number of movies mm -hmm. now. Will there be a list of those movies in the app, or how do, how do you display those What's the availability of the various movies? Great question. Well, we're in beta right now, so I'll tell you what we're doing right now, and you can tell me if we can make it better. So right now we've got about 90 movies in the app, but I'm expecting that in a couple of weeks we're going to have close to 500. Mm -hmm. And so if you go into the app, they're all divided into categories by genre. So you've got you know action, biography, documentary, comedy, cartoon. Um, and you could find them that way. You can also use the search feature in the app to look for a movie that you really like and see if it's in there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that in the future we'll probably need to put up something like a website where we have a listing of all of the movies that are in the app and where you can watch them. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I can do that. Notify active users what's coming. The the email that I'll use to communicate with you and give you an invite to the beta link, uh, you can reach out back to that email. It's monitored by, by me personally, and I can send you a a uh, list of all the movies we have. And oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And do you have agreements with all of the major studios? 
So we've got agreements with uh, Lionsgate, and we're working on Sony right now. Um, and then there are many other studios we're talking to and trying to get that agreement worked out. The, the main thing is right now we need to get the beta into as many hands as possible and really build out this proof of concept and show right. that we're doing a good job with it and that it works. Mm-hmm. And once that's proven out to these studios, I think they're going to be knocking on our doors. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we're going to get things like theatrical releases. So not only can you do this at home, but you can download an audio description track and take it to a movie theater. And that way you don't have to wear those bulky things they give right. you at a movie theater like AMC. And do you have a timeline when you expect this to be out of beta and uh, uh, an app available to everybody? You know, I want to I want to give you a tentative timeline, which I would say that we're aiming for summer for this to be in the app store and out of beta. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. If that changes, I'll I'll let you know. Right. And is it going to be available for iPhone as well as Android? Oh, this is only going to be iOS for now. We really want to prove this out, and I know that many people who are visually impaired who really enjoy audio description and, and want to use it use iPhone and iPad. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at Android for a possible 2021 release. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow, interesting. I'm glad that you're doing this. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm really proud of it. The app is turning out to be a really hit. Help, I need somebody. Help. Let's face it, we are increasingly challenged to keep up with ever-changing technology. Would you like more help with how to use some tech device or equipment? How about programs and apps in your personal life and work? Consider joining Blind Information Technology Specialists, BITS. Membership gives you access to our exclusive email list for exchanging ideas, getting sometimes hard-to-find technical assistance, online presentations, workshops, and tutorials, and our live chat sessions. To join, go to bits-acb.org or email treasurer at bits-acb.org. And that's a good stopping point for us. We'll continue next week with a roundtable and we'll have more discussion and more comments about CSUN and we'll wrap up during next week's show and we'll have some extra material that we are working on now to fill out that hour and we hope you will join us. We hope you enjoyed what you heard so far from an abbreviated CSUN. Uh, A lot of stuff that is coming later on, but with the virus, etc., a lot of people not working as much, so some of those probably will be delayed. But join us, because we won't be, next week here on Main Menu. Main Menu is a program brought to you by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. It airs every Friday night on ACB Radio Mainstream, beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern, repeating at various times throughout the week. To listen and view the schedule, go to acbradio.org slash mainstream. You can also tune in with your favorite radio app slash device or use ACB Link for Android or iOS. Call area code 605-475-8130. Do you have an idea, suggestion, or contribution you'd like us to consider? Please email mainmenu at acbradio.org. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Main Menu. Please note that airing of any content is subject to approval by the Main Menu team. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on another edition of Main Menu.